Go ahead and turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 1. Start in verse 1, go through verse 8. And, and, and this, is, this is what it says. It says, in the first book, O Theophilus. See, this is Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke is an investigative journalist at this point in his life. And he's already written one book, which was the gospel according to Luke, to Theophilus. And he's saying, in the first book, O Theophilus, I, I dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up. Now I'm about to write a sequel to the first one. I'm going to write the sequel after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he has chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. In other words, he had the scarred proof to show the proofs in the pudding that he is I am and that he is enough. He appeared to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait. Come on and say wait, wait, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you father we thank you for your spirit this morning we thank you that it's that it's in you and in your spirit that we find strength to face another day that we we find the confidence to worship your name jesus by your spirit we thank you for it and i pray today lord that you would fill every heart every mind that the holy spirit would come upon us in a brand new tangible real way this morning that we would be able to feel the very power of god so that we can surrender our full lives to you god and lord i thank you that you're going to do that today i thank you for it jesus all of this is in your name we love you we worship you there really is none like you because that is who you are you are the way maker you are the miracle worker you are our promise keeper and so lord we love you for who you are we serve you for who you are and it's in your name we pray and everybody said amen <clears throat> good morning CWC. Listen, I can't help myself. I know I wasn't going to tell you to do this at the beginning, but I'm going to have to have you do it. How y'all doing this morning? If you're good, shout, I'm good in the chat. If you're in house, shout it with me. I'm good. I'm good. Amen. Amen. So, so look, really quickly, let me let you in for a moment in the process of the way this went down this week, right? Because I was originally going to 
do a message titled Positioned for Difficulty. Positioned for Difficulty. Because that is a message that most, if not all of us can relate to, right? Because in this life, we will face trials of many kinds. We will face difficulties of many kinds, right? So it would, it would definitely touch home with most of us, if, if not all of us. And I was actually going to use the book of Habakkuk chapter two as our main text. Yes, it's in the Bible and it's a real book, right? But, but I was gonna use that. And so because that was our original intent, that's where we thought we were, were headed, our community kids will be going through that today, right? Because I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we, we love to try to coincide the two ministries, although they're, they're two kids ministry, adult ministry, right? We want the two to become one because we're on one mission, on one goal to go after one God. And so we really do try to make sure that the kids are, are learning a version of what we are learning as adults so that when you leave the church, right? Or you turn the church off in this case at this moment, right? But, but you, you go back to life and you begin to eat lunch you begin to eat dinner, you guys can talk about what the Lord spoke to both of you during his word for the day. And so we really do try to make that happen week out, week in and week out. However, this week it didn't happen because praise God, the Lord changed everything up on me yesterday morning when I woke up. I come wake up Saturday morning and it's all changed in my mind. And, and this is how he changed it. He spoke to me this. He said, how can, how can you be positioned for difficulty if you're not positioned for purpose? How can you be positioned for difficulty if you have not yet been positioned for purpose? So this is how he changed it. So the kids will be a little bit ahead of us in this series just for a little bit, but that's okay. We will all get back on the same track, I promise you. But in the meantime, maybe the kids will be able to teach you something about Habakkuk that you never knew before, right? Um, but let me reassure you, man, I'm excited about that message and God is going to have us preach that very, very soon. We will talk about how to be positioned for difficulties very soon. But, but before we can, we can get there, before we can get there, the Lord has us right here, right now, talking about positioned for purpose. Come on, put that in the chat. Positioned for purpose. And look, last week, right, last week, we, we started a brand new series. We launched a new series titled Positioned, right? And we did an intro message titled Positioned Correctly. Now, I don't have time to go in and to recap all that we, we talked about last week because today we do have two services, 1115 Quest Haven Lodge. We hope to see you there. So I don't have time to, to, to go into that. But, but I will say this, that the point of that intro message was to wake us up to the fact that how we are positioned before the Lord is very, very important. Much more important than our personal positions meaning how we are positioned before Jesus is more important than our position at our jobs, position in our social circles, positioned in our economic status. That stuff doesn't matter. What matters is, is how we are positioned before God because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but then forfeit their soul? 
And so while Jesus was walking and talking on this earth, he was constantly and consistently teaching his disciples the difference between having a position and being positioned. And because that's the case for us, we, we've got to take heed and make sure that we are positioned to hear from God, positioned to receive from God, and positioned to be used by God and not overly concerned with our personal positions. And so today, we're going to talk about positioned for purpose. Put it in the chat again. Positioned for purpose. Man, we, we must be positioned in such a way to hear the word of God so that then we can be used by God for his purposes. For his purposes. Because, you know, the one thing that I've found out in this life, you know, I'm almost 40, praise God, right? Almost 40, I love it. <clears throat> but what I've learned as I've walked through this life is that sometimes what we think our purpose is doesn't align with what God says our purpose is. And, and this, is, this is so true. It's so true because we are a people who have our own agendas, our own ambitions, our own dreams and aspirations, which doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? But, but see, God wants us to dream and to have big aspirations. Matter of fact, God has created us for greatness. He created you for greatness. However, our own agendas and our own ambitions, our own dreams and our own aspirations must come into alignment, must be positioned correctly so that we can be used by God for his purposes. This is very important. And, and here's why. Because our things, our dreams, our ambitions, all those things I just said, those things in and of themselves cannot fulfill us. They cannot fulfill us. And look, it doesn't matter, right? What dream we have been able to achieve on this earth. It doesn't even matter if we became the next Michael Jordan. If we're not positioned for purpose, if our lives are not positioned to be used for God's purpose, we'll be empty and un fulfilled, we will not be satisfied or content in this life because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world, but then forfeit their soul? What does it gain a man to, to have a great position and to fulfill all the dreams that they had in their heart to fulfill, but yet they forfeit their soul? They're not positioned before Jesus. You know, I've been, I've been around wealthy people in my life and around people who have great positions. But, but you know what I found with, with them is, is this. Those of them that have that kind of status and have that kind of economic well-being and, and all those things, if they are not positioned for purpose, they're always looking for the next position. They're always looking for the next promotion. Always looking for the next thing that they can achieve, never satisfied or content in this, in this life. Looking for the next big business, looking for the next big investment, looking for the next big idea, the next thing that they can achieve. And so they'll never be fulfilled. And they're constantly thinking, man, if I can just achieve one more thing, that will make me happy, but it's never enough. It's never enough. And the sad part of this truth is, and this reality is, the entire time, Jesus is pursuing them, trying to get their attention to say to them, I am 
enough. I will supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. I will fulfill every desire of your heart. You will be satisfied in me. But he says, if, come on, say if, if, if you crucify yourself, if you crucify your own agendas, if you crucify your own ambitions, if you, if you die to yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, you'll be positioned for purpose and I will fulfill you. I'll fulfill you. But that's a pretty big if. This is why it's so important for us to die to our own lives so that we can have life found in Christ. And so let's go back to our main text, Acts chapter one. I hope you all are still with me today. Acts chapter one. Here Jesus, right, is telling his disciples in verse four, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise. Wait for your purpose. Wait to hear from God. And what he's saying is, by waiting, you are obeying. By waiting, you are obeying. Now look, I'm not gonna speak for everybody, right, that's watching or in-house with me today. I'm gonna speak for myself. Walking in obedience isn't always an easy thing to do. It can be very difficult. Sometimes I do it well, other times not well at all. And, and so I need to rely on the grace of God to empower me to walk in his obedience. So sometimes obedience is, is a tough thing to do. But when you throw into the mix waiting, and you say in the waiting you are obeying, that's, just, that's not just tough, that's just straight torture. That's cruel and unusual punishment for me. I am a creature that likes to go, who likes to be on the move, who needs to get things done because a sense of accomplishment to me makes me feel really good about me. And so look, I never have an issue when God says to me, Keith, go. I'm like, cool, let's go. That's my love language. I got, that, I got that language down. Go, cool. God says to us years ago, man, go do a, a carnival for the entire community. Sweet, let's go. Let's do it. Remodel the church and expand the church. Cool, let's go. Right, give me my hammer. Give me some nails. I'll, I'll do whatever. I'm, I'm cool with that. But then when God says, wait, when he says, wait, I'm like, that's Koine Greek. That's Hebrew. I got no idea. <laughs> What you're talking about. I don't talk that language. I don't even like that language. Let's not go there. That, I bind you, Satan. Right? Like, <laughs> wait, what? But see, in Luke chapter 10, there's this story, right, about two sisters, Martha and Mary. And in it, right, what's taking place is Jesus and the disciples, they're out literally flipping the world upside down, right? He's, he's saving the sick, he's healing the blind, he's, he's multiplying two fish and, and almost five loaves to feed over 5,000 people. All these miracles are taking place around Jesus and with his disciples and, and so they need to stop to take a break and to eat and so they go to Mary and Martha's home. And, and what's happening is Martha is running around like a chicken with her head cut off, you know what I'm talking about trying to get everything done, worrying about everything, every little thing, every little detail. We gotta, we gotta make sure everything gets done, everything, everything looks well and, and good. We, we, we have to host well. 
And she looks over and she sees her, her sister Mary. And she's just chilling. She's just waiting. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And, and Martha, right, to her, it looks like Mary is being lazy. It looks like she's not hosting Jesus well. And of course, this frustrates Martha, which for those of us who are geared in the same way to do and, and to go and to go and to go, we can sympathize with Martha, right? We, we would be just like her, like Mary, get your lazy rear end up off the ground, get off of his feet and get on your feet and go do something. I don't care what you do, do anything. Just don't sit there anymore, right? Like, that's, that's how we would be. And so, so Martha feels this way, right? And so she goes to Jesus and she, she, she goes up to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that knows all, that sees all, that created everything. And she says, Lord, don't you even care? She probably threw her head back a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, like don't you even care, Lord? <laughs> I don't know what that was, but it was for you guys. I bless you. Don't you even care that my sister isn't helping me? Tell her to get up and get moving. Maybe she'll listen to you because she hasn't listened to me. And I love Jesus's response because he looks at Martha and he says, Martha, Martha. And this one's for free. If somebody says your name twice, it's not because they're about to agree with you twice. They're about to crush you, right? Like, just get ready, get your heart. Like, it's coming, it's coming, right? It's a fastball right down the pipe. Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. You're worried about the dishes being done, about the floor being mopped, about the food being cooked just right. You're, you're worried about many things when there is only one thing that you need. There's only one thing. And Mary, the one you're calling lazy, she has chosen correctly. She is positioned before me correctly. See, Martha was so busy working for the Lord that she was missing that the Lord was just wanting to spend time with her. He was there just to meet with her. See, I think a lot of times we think waiting is doing nothing. That's what we think. But see, Mary wasn't doing nothing. Mary was waiting on a word from God. She was waiting on a touch from God. She was waiting to receive whatever Jesus had for her to receive. And she was willing to sit there and wait for it. Because it's, it's in the waiting. It's in the waiting that God does some of his most deepest and most surgical work on our hearts. It's in the waiting that, that God is teaching us that, that while we are waiting He's still working all things together for our good. We are learning in the waiting that God has, has something greater for us and we trust him in the midst of it. See, see the Bible says this, says this, it's in the waiting that God draws near. It's in the stillness that he is there. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and all you have to do is wait, is wait. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 says this, those that wait upon the Lord, those that wait upon the Lord, he will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles, they'll run, not grow weary, they'll walk and not faint. Those that wait upon him, he will strengthen 
them. We have to be a people who are able to slow down and to wait, to wait on the Lord because it's his timetable that matters, not ours. And as we do that, as we are in the waiting and we are obeying in the waiting, it shows the Lord that we're willing to trust him no matter what is happening around us, which puts us positioned for purpose. Jesus in Acts chapter one, verse four, do not depart from Jerusalem, but rather wait for the promise. The waiting is the obeying. And so Jesus is saying here, this is what he's saying. He's saying, when you have obeyed me because you're waiting on me, you now have positioned yourself correctly before me. And, and here's the thing, right? The Bible says this, the Bible says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice, meaning this, we are to obey the word of God and no amount of sacrifices to God can take the place of our obedience to him. Let me, let me explain it this way. There are times in our lives when we know God has spoken something to us. Whether that's through a message preached or whether that's through our own personal devotion time, right? Whatever, we know that God just spoke to us. But the thing that he had spoken to us, we're not ready for that yet. We're just not ready for that. Whatever the that is, by the way, and you can fill in the blank. This ain't a multiple choice. It's a fill in the blank. You have your own that. I've got my own that, and they could be different that's. But fill it in. But because we aren't ready for that which God had just spoke to us yet, we think, well, God will be mindful of our time. He'll be mindful of it. God will understand that we're just not ready for that yet. As if he is okay with it. I mean, we will, we'll get there, right? We'll get there, God. That's what we'll tell him. We'll get there, God. But just not, just not yet. We're, we're just not ready for that yet. We, we're just not ready to give up that person, place, or thing yet that you've asked of me. And so instead of obeying God, we will bring sacrifices to God. We'll think, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to give that up yet. So today I'm gonna give more money in the offering plate. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna... I'm just gonna give more, that's a sacrifice. So I'm gonna, I'm, gonna give it, I'm gonna give it up. I'm not ready to do what God had spoke to me yet. So, so instead of giving him that thing, man, I'll give up more of my time. I'll volunteer twice a month at the church instead of once a month. You know what, God, I'll even take it a step further. I'll fast a meal for you. I'm not ready to do that thing yet. So I'll fast instead. I'll sacrifice a meal or something in hopes that that, makes us even. And we find ourselves trying to barter with God in different seasons of our life by offering a sacrifice instead of obedience. And this is a place where most of us have found ourselves in before. And, and it's crazy because we'll even use the Bible to justify it. Because after all, I mean, the Bible says we are to give of our tithes and our offerings. And so, you know, I'm, I'm just gonna do what the Bible says. I'm gonna do that thing. So hopefully God forgets the other thing that he, that he spoke to me. And, and God says to, to fast in order to draw near to him. So I'm gonna do that as well. And so hopefully all these sacrifices I give him will cause him to forget what he had spoken to me or at least be okay that I'm not willing to obey. 
How about I, I do those things, God? I'll do those things instead of obeying that one thing that you have spoken to me. And we convince ourselves that, that God's okay with it, that he understands it. But, but see, the Bible is clear. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Matter of fact, Jesus says it, takes it a step further. He says this, he says, I know who love me by those who obey me. Making obedience a major component to being positioned for purpose. And this is right where we, we see the disciples in Acts chapter one, Jesus don't depart from Jerusalem, but, but wait for the promise. And I love this. It's not like God is telling us to wait because he's trying to be, to be mean to us or hold us back from something, something great. No, no, no. He's telling us to wait and to, be, and, to, and to obey because the father wants to use you. This is what he says to the disciples. And it's funny because then he goes on to say this. He says, see, John baptized with water, but you, but you, yeah, yeah. John has his purpose, but God has a purpose for you. Listen, listen to me this morning. I want you to get this. John has his purpose. Billy has his purpose. Judy and Tammy, they got their purpose, but God has a purpose for you for you. And he doesn't want you to be them. And he doesn't want them to be you. He doesn't think that someone else has a greater purpose than you. A lot of times, man, we get caught up in this in our own human flesh, right? Wanting what others have, thinking they've got the greater purpose than us. They've got the greater call. And so what we'll try to do is, is position ourselves near them or to be like them. And we allow the enemy to actually lie to us and convince us into thinking God would love us more if we were like someone else. But, but do you know what, what happens when we think that way, when that's our mindset, when we're trying to be like somebody else? What we are saying is that God messed up. He, he must have dropped the ball when he made me. It's, it's a mistake how he made me. But see, God says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says he's got great plans specifically for you. That matter of fact, he says, before the foundations of the world was formed, I created you to do good works. You have a purpose. He says, I've created you for a great purpose and I want you, not someone else, I want you to fulfill it. You to fulfill it. My mom said, don't point at people unless I'm blessing people. Praise God, I'll point at you, bless you. So Jesus here is saying, get positioned, get positioned for it, get positioned for purpose because I want you to fulfill it. And so he says to his disciples, John baptized with water, but you, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. It's not for you to know that. You see here, what the disciples are doing, right? They're, they're having trouble getting positioned for purpose because of their own agendas, because of their own ambitions, because of their own dreams that they wanted Jesus to fulfill. They had a preconceived notion of what it would look like when Jesus restored the people of Israel. See, sometimes, sometimes we must realize, we, we've got to realize this. We've got to realize that Israel, right, at this time was being ruled by the Romans. 
They're being persecuted by the Romans. If we don't know the historical context, it's hard to get what Jesus is saying and what the disciples are doing here. And because that is what is taking place in their life, they, they wanted him to be the conquering king over all the land with chariots and swords and spears and shields and all these other things. They thought he was going to raise up an army to take over. They thought he would deliver them from their Roman oppressors. They thought he would sit on an earthly throne and bring Israel back to the power that they once were. And so their own ambitions kept them from God's purpose at this time, showing us this, that, man, if we don't crucify ourselves, if we don't crucify ourselves and our fleshly desires, we will not be positioned correctly and we'll miss our purpose. And, and look what Jesus says, because this is what they're dealing with, right? He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when you are positioned for purpose. This is what he's saying. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, don't you know that your purpose on this earth is to house and release the very presence of God? Your purpose is to be fulfilled by the spirit of God. Your purpose is to, to declare the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives in me. This is, this is your purpose. But, but you will receive power, Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is so amazing. It's so amazing that God's purpose for you is to fill you with his power and his presence so that you can tell the world about Jesus. But you know, there, there was something that I, I realized while I was studying this, for this message on this occasion, this passage. I've studied it quite a bit in my life, but on this occasion, the Lord spoke to me something that he had never spoken to me before about the disciples. See, see, these disciples, when they were asking about the times and the seasons and the dates and all that stuff, they were asking for what they thought was the best they could get. See, they had positioned themselves by Jesus for three solid years. The whole time thinking he was going to be king of the earth, thinking that because he would have a great position now, he would position them to rule with him. So they were asking God for what they thought was best. Lord, now will you restore Israel back to its, its power? Lord, at this time, will you take your position on your throne so that we can position at your side? Remember, we talked about this last week, one at your left and one at your right. Allow us to rule with you over nations and See, their earthly minds and their earthly desires had them in a place willing to settle for a purpose much less than what God had purposed for them. And I started thinking, how, how many times have we done this very thing? How many times in our lives because of our own wants and our desires? How many times in our lives because we are not willing to wait upon the Lord? How many times have we settled for something much less than what God had planned for us? 
So many times we ask God for what we think is best, for what we think is the best that we can possibly get. Lord, Lord, I just, I just want to be off drugs. Like that, that's all I want. Lord, Lord, I just want to be off alcohol. Lord, Lord, I, I just don't want to be alone. And so just give me a husband or a wife. Just, just don't cause me to be alone. I just want, I just want to be with somebody. I, I just want a job, God. I don't have a job, so just give me any, any job. Lord, Lord, I just want to make it to heaven. So I just want to go to church. And we settle for half measures. We settle for half-hearted obedience. We settle for half-hearted surrender in our lives. We settle for second best. But Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says it this way. He says, to the one who is able, who can, who will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. To the one, surrender everything to him. Give it all over to him because he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever dream about, think about, wish for. According to the power that is at work within you. Telling us this, that if we are positioned correctly, positioned in obedience, positioned to wait upon the Lord, we will be positioned for our purpose and be filled with the Holy Spirit and live with the power of God living within us, which is the very best. We don't have to settle in this life. Jesus says, I've come to to give you life and life more abundantly, not just life. I came to save you, but But there's so much more to Jesus than just salvation. There's so much more. See, we can be positioned for purpose. We can. And what we have to understand is is this, that our purpose, first and foremost, is to be filled by the Holy Ghost. That's the purpose. So much so, think about this, so much so, that the God of everything sent his only son to die for you. Then he rose himself from the grave three days later, ascended back to the, to the heavenly father to send his Holy Spirit to fill you. This is how important God said filling you with the Holy Spirit is. This is how important that purpose is. And man, we don't have to settle for anything less. We don't have to settle for anything less than ordinary. We don't have to settle at all. We just have to be a people who who declare this, the one thing I seek, this one thing I desire is to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If that's how we are positioned, that's how our hearts are positioned before God today, we are positioned for purpose. We're positioned for purpose. We die to our own ambitions today. We die to our own wants and our desires because those those things aren't even close to what God has for us. Not even close. Paul says it this way, I count it all as loss. I count everything that I've gained in in this life as loss. Everything that I thought was great, I now see 
doesn't compare to knowing him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're tuning in today and you're saying to yourself, I'm not really sure what all he's talking about, but I am sure of this. I want the best. I want the very best. Well, this is what I find to be so amazing about Jesus is we are called to be obedient in the place we are in. We're called to be obedient in the place that we are in. It's not about the length of obedience. It's about the moment in the moment that God is calling us to obey. And see, the Bible says this, that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you are right now being obedient to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and you are positioned for purpose. And so right now, if you wanna, if you wanna be obedient in this life, and give your life to Jesus. I wanna walk with you through that today. I wanna help you to do that today. So just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Lord, I know that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me and to come and live within me. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I declare you Lord and Savior of my life. See, the Bible says that if you've declared that you are saved, then all the heavens are rejoicing. All the heavens are rejoicing. But look, something else I want to do before we close today, because we gotta, we got to close here in a moment. But if you want the power of God in your life, if you want the very power of his presence to fill your life, because let me be clear, you have to have his power to live for him on this earth. You have to. It's impossible to do it without him. We've got to have his Holy Spirit. And see, the cool thing is, is Jesus says this, if you ask, you will receive. If you ask, you will Receive in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and placed in your lap, it will be. And so, man, if, if you want to receive the Holy Spirit and be baptized with His Spirit this morning, I want you to lift your hands right where you are as an act of surrenderance, as an act of obedience, because the Bible says to lift up holy hands. So right now, as you lift up your hands wherever you are right now, as you're lifting your hands, God is seeing how you are wanting to lay down all of your own wants, your own desires to be filled with his spirit. And I want you to repeat after me, Father, fill me with your spirit. I need your spirit to lead me. I need your spirit to guide me. I need your spirit to empower me to live this life for you. Fill every part of me, Father. Lord, strengthen me to lay down my own wants and my own desires so that I can live for your purpose. And Lord, I receive you. I am thankful for you. In Jesus' mighty name. And I pray right now that by the Spirit of God, that there is a tangible shift, Lord, in their house and in their person 
wherever they are in this moment. Let it be tangible. Let them be able to recognize what had just taken place. Lord, I bless your people. I thank you for your people. Lord, I speak your strength. I speak your comfort over each and every one of them today, I pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for who you are in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.